This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to A Game of Two Halves, a sports podcast by The Straits Times. I'm coming to you from the tea rooms of the SPH Pleasure Dome. I'm your host, Jonathan Roberts, and I'm joined today by SD sports correspondent, Sazali Abdulaziz. Hello. Hi, Jimmy. Now, on the show last week, we discussed UFC 229 and the debacle that ensued. It was, of course... Khabib Nurmagomedov versus Conor McGregor. I can't believe I got those names right in the first go. That's pretty good. Congratulations. So, yeah, hooray. Anyway, Khabib launched himself from the top of the octagon at McGregor's jiu-jitsu coach, and, of course, all manner of chaos reigned. Both fighters were banned on Friday by the Nevada State Athletic Commission. Yeah. Now... Still no action from UFC yeah. on this particular matter. But in the meantime, there's been a development in that Khabib has announced his intention to fight Floyd Mayweather Jr. What's your view on Khabib's calling out of Mayweather? I think it's it's cheeky, but, you know, I don't think it's going to happen. Cheeky? Uh, yeah, it's cheeky. You know, he's testing out the waters. He's seeing uh, whether uh, Floyd's going to bite. Floyd has made a couple of comments on, on what happened uh, after UFC 229. In fact, in one of his comments, he said he didn't even know uh, the guy Connor was fighting. So, you know what I mean? I don't so, think he's alone in that. Yeah, well, UFC 229 really shone a light on, on Khabib. And then, you know, obviously, inevitably, the videos of him uh, wrestling a, a baby bear when he was a, a child got circulated over, all over the internet. Yeah, but no, I, I don't think it's going to happen. Let's speculate that it does. Khabib as a boxer. Now, obviously, he's a bear wrestler. And indeed, he got McGregor to tap out in the fourth round of 229. So, as a boxer, can you see any potential for him there? That's precisely one of the, the big reasons I don't see this fight happening. With Conor, the whole allure of a Conor-Floyd fight was, oh, can the UFC's best striker with you know that dynamite left hand, can he knock out uh, a boxer who's the best of his unbeaten. generation, yeah, unbeaten, unbeaten yeah. boxer who who has you know known for his defensive prowess and and is known to be the best boxer of his generation, you know. So can Connor, you know, land that uh, you know that that punch that that will knock him out, you know, for Khabib, you know, he's a he's an average uh, striker, you know, he's like you mentioned, you know, his strength is in is in wrestling and and grappling. And he can't do that in a boxing match with Floyd. So, you know, I, I don't see how this can uh, sell anywhere so, near as much as Conor Floyd did. So is this just Khabib making hay while the sun shines? Well, like I said, you know, it's, it's, you know, he's testing out the waters, you know. I mean, if it happens, you know, great for him, it's, it's a windfall. But I don't see it happening. And Floyd is actually looking more towards a, a rematch with uh, Manny Pacquiao. So I think, you know, again, like I said, at the end of the day for Floyd... You know, you want to come out of retirement, you better pay me a, a boatload of cash, you know. And, and yeah. you know, he, he's going to look at the money fights and, and Khabib's not a money fight, unfortunately. And if it doesn't happen in Vegas, then it's not going to happen at all. Yeah, yeah. And there's also, the, the yeah, like you mentioned, the Nevada State Athletic Commission. I think there's a small matter of that. If he gets banned, I, I don't see Floyd fighting outside of um, Las Vegas. So just going back to the matter of UFC not having taken any action yet, do you think they're going to or are they, or are they just going to leave this? I'm I'm pretty sure they're going to leave this. I mean, it it seems every time a, a major incident like this happens, um, you know, the UFC follows the same, or rather Dana White, which is the, who is the UFC president, follows the same sort of uh, standard uh, procedure or protocol, which is, you know, denounce what happened. You know, it's disgusting. It's a it's a smear on on MMA, uh, and three months on the road, use it for promotional purposes. So. 
you know, John Jones is 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 returning. John Jones is um, you know the uh, arguably the most uh, naturally talented MMA fighter. Uh, he was the youngest uh, world champion, uh, and he's go- he's coming back and you know straight after a, a, a drug suspension, and his first match is is for the lightweight title, uh, light heavyweight title rather. Sorry, um, and yeah, it just goes to show that you know. Controversy caught cash, you know, in in MMA and, and in a lot of sports, you know. So, um, and like I said, you know, I know people ideally want to say, oh, you know, it's all about respect, honor, humility, and stuff like that in martial arts and and mixed martial arts. No man, you know, trash talk sells fights. Controversy caught cash, and 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 we've seen that with uh, Connor and and I guess now Khabib and and John Jones. Do you think there's a lack of respect for regular boxing? among the UFC guys because they just seem to think that they can drift into it and just say yeah sure I'll just you know because it's only one discipline whereas we know many disciplines I don't think it's a a lack of respect uh, naivety yes maybe a bit maybe a bit Um, but I think they they I, I think Khabib knows full well what he's getting into if he's challenging uh, you know Floyd to a, a, a boxing match you know but um, you know that Having said that, you know we we've seen a a few uh you know uh world champions in the in the lighter weight classes of boxing, um also call out a couple of uh you know MMA fighters you know. Uh, so which do you think requires more fitness? Because being fine physical specimens as both of us are, and You're of course we've both been in the around, the so. ring before. <laughs> um, I mean, regular boxing by itself is incredibly tiring to yeah. actually go that that many rounds yeah. if you go for a full 12 round there, yeah. it's an immense yeah. feat of stamina yeah. uh, just one round for the regular person is already beyond many people's abilities I think mm. I, I mean you know, I, I speak for the you know the, the unfit people unlike ourselves of course you know MMA fighters you know regular boxers who do you think is more physically fit well bo- I, I think MMA fighters uh, it's a different sort of fitness to it I guess um, MMA fighters I think are a, a little bit more explosive than uh, than boxers you know boxers uh, like you said 12, if, they, if, if they're fighting I mean if they're, they're at the top level they're fighting for uh, 12 round fights um, you know that will require an, an insane amount of cardio you know where 5 kilometer jogs are considered short jogs already like for example Ridwan when he was training for his uh, 12 round fight but yeah I, I guess uh, but MMA fighters are, are no slouches as well but I, I, if you're asking me which of the two disciplines is more tiring I would think uh, and again this is coming from a place where we've never been uh, actual actual uh, competitors uh, in, in the ring or the octagon but I, I would think MMA because pain tolerance is uh, higher in a sense you can get struck anywhere uh, and second of all, you always need to be prepared for you know takedowns and stuff like that, you know, and and kicks, um, and and just that 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 fatigue of like you know for example corner there was one um, significant moment in UFC two to nine match where Khabib caught him with a nice shot. Khabib was actually opening up to to take him down, which is you know obviously the fear since he wrestles bears. Corner sort of leaned forward to 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 anticipate the takedown, and he got. Hit in the face instead, hit in the jaw. So you know that there's there's always that danger and, and you know that that fear of being taken down or, or, or being pummeled, you know, being on your back. Uh, I guess that takes uh, you know overall a bigger toll than than boxing, where you're just sort of trying to figure out angles and and stuff like that. Well, Khabib did look the much happier, fitter man at the end of the match. I mean, 
McGregor looked like a martyred saint in yeah. some <laughs> Renaissance painting yeah. at the end. Yeah. Well, Khabib can go, uh, you know, probably uh, 50 rounds, not just five rounds, but yeah. And now we go from the brutality of the octagon back to the green, green grass of football. Not so much a match, but just in other news. Thierry Henry, the legendary striker, was recently availed as the new coach of Monaco. Going for that Monte Carlo life uh, in a three-year deal. Now, of course, it's kind of a homecoming. That's where Henri started. And, of course, that's where Arsene Wenger first spotted him. And then when Arsene Wenger went over to Arsenal, he took Thierry Henry with him, which spawned a career that led Henri to be the third highest all-time scorer in English football. It's something like 175 goals in total. I mean, of course, he was also the assistant coach for Belgium. Assisting Roberto Martinez. Yes. Everton legend. How do you think he's going to be? Well, it's really hard to say because, you know, obviously this is his first uh, managerial appointment, um, you know, where he's going to be the man. The Belgian players have have said, you know, he's, he's been a... A very good influence in in training, and I think Batshuayi, um, you know, who's uh, the Chelsea striker who's out on loan at the moment, he he has said that you know he really enjoys going for the international break because he gets to work with with Henri and as a former you know striker himself, he knows exactly what to impart to to his players. So yeah, I mean, based on that, I guess he'll he'll be um, you know a good mentor, a good coach. And Monaco have quite a few young prospects uh, waiting in the wings, so this could be the perfect recipe to to help them. Uh, you know, climb up the table again. But having said that, I'm always wary of top players, you know, making the transition into management and, and I always go back to uh, Roy Keane, you know, like, awesome, awesome player. You know, you, you, you might hate, you know, some of the things he did, you know, some of the, the, the tackles. You would think he had the, he had the total package attitude-wise. Uh, you know, he, he had that, you know, fierceness, that, that ferocity, that, that temper to command respect. But at Sunderland and Ipswich, his total win percentage was precisely the same as his loss percentage, which was 39%. Well, it's not even just a player transforming into a coach. Even as an assistant coach, you can be a great assistant coach, but there's something yeah, that yeah. Cha- has to change there's, there's, when you go into the top job. I mean, yeah. if you look at someone like Brian Kidd, who was a great assistant coach for Alex Ferguson at Man United, but he didn't manage to fully transfer that. Yeah, because it takes a a, a completely different personality to to be, you know, like I said, you know, the man, you know, you're making the the decisions, you're calling the shots, you know, what you say goes. And and like I said, you know, you need a certain type of uh, personality and, and, you know, you're you're taking a a different type of responsibility. Well, I'll tell you what, seeing as Henri is your generation and seeing as you are of the generation that is now seeing your heroes of the field now taking up the coaching jobs, who has impressed you? Who of your generation of players has impressed you? Well, yeah, there, there, there are quite a few. I think at Vieira at, at uh, Nice as well in in France, uh, and Gattuso at Milan, and of you know obviously the biggest success is, is Zidane. You know he's stepped down from Real Madrid, but you know he's obviously the the, the shining. Uh, like from this generation but uh, yeah I think Gerard has actually Steven Gerard has done really well at Rangers you know he doesn't have you know as big a budget as, as Celtic which isn't that great to be with in the first place but I guess it just uh, just, just highlights how uh, the sorry state of, of Scottish football is at the moment but you know he's done well you know they, they, they've um, you know sort of uh, got a couple of good results in the Europa League um, and, uh, and and domestically as well and, and he's made a couple of shrewd signings 
uh, and I think you know the, you you know you might argue it's a honeymoon period, but you know it's, it's done well so far. You know we we've had uh, you know managers who've come in and and you know endured uh, difficult runs right at the start, but um, he's he hasn't. And obviously Lampard, uh, you know, going to Old Trafford and beating you know uh, Mourinho's team. What what better way to 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 cap your first you know three four months in in management right? This is of course Frank Lampard who is managing Derby County. Derby yes, County. Yeah. Of course, as you mentioned, the most successful one is Zinedine Zidane at Real Madrid. Why do you think he was so successful? I think for Zidane's case, um, you know, he was obviously a player at Real Madrid. He also coached. Uh, I think it was the reserve team. Uh, for a season or two seasons, so he was—he's completely aware. Uh, he's totally aware of the machinery that is Real Madrid. You know the the political system behind it. You know their president and stuff like that. And he knows how to how to keep on sight of everybody. I guess because you know we we've seen in the past uh, how uh, you know particularly at at uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid, uh, managers tend to fall foul. Uh, of sporting directors or presidents or, or you know members of the the club's hierarchy or even a, a core group of the players, you know. But he's young enough and more and a legend enough to sort of be on site to the players, and he knows as well how to manage the expectations or, or the personalities uh, of the club hierarchy. And I, I think um, that played a huge part in 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 why he was successful at Real Madrid because basically you look at the squad they have, you know, they, they have probably the, the the best squad in the world, uh, you know. Uh, Bar Barcelona and and I guess if you want to say Man City, but you know so it's it's basically the, the players can do the job. You know the players can do the job. You know it's it's about you know making sure everything is right for them to sort of just go out on the pitch and 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 do what they can do. And that is where we'll leave it. We'll see how it turns out for Mr. Henri at Monaco. But for now, thank you, Cesare. No problem. And do join us again for another game of two halves next time. That was an SPH podcast. Find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and streaming on Google Home. Do send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at straightstimes.com and bt.sg.